In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. It's Friday, the sun is shining, the birds are singing. I hope the wind is at your back. I got a tremendous show for you today. An impressive show about modern age troubadours traveling the world, bringing laughter and sunshine to people who need it the most. Clowns without borders. Jed Lee and Naomi. I'm going to kick it off to you right now, Jed and, and Naomi, to maybe give us a little bit of background. Maybe we'll start with you, Jed. Maybe you could talk a little bit about who you are and and what the mission is here today. Well, I first off, I certainly am not an expert in Clowns Without Borders, and that is why I'm so happy that my boss clown, Naomi, is here with me today. I will tell you that I've been performing as a clown and magician for over 35 years, and probably about 25 years or so ago. I was working at a fair up in Vermont, beautiful fair, and uh, I was sharing the stage with another artist uh, named Hoopo. And Hoopo and I had a great time that week. You know, I'd do my show, he'd do his show, we'd help each other on and off the stage. And uh, his daughter was there, my kids were there, and it was just wonderful. A lot. You know, a lot of times performers, you never meet someone before and then suddenly you're sharing a stage and you're like your best buddies in five minutes. And uh, that's, you know, kind of what happened. And and he was telling me he was part of Clowns Without Borders and he was telling me a little bit about it. And it seemed like a fantastic mission and idea. But at that moment in my life with two young kids, uh, a beautiful wife. Um, that week, we were purchasing a home. We we I I had to leave the fair like immediately after my last show ended. I had to jump in my car and drive back to Boston to sign papers to buy uh, the beautiful home that we're living in right now. Um, it wasn't something that I could pursue uh, at that point in my life. Um, things are a lot different right now. My kids are are grown. Uh, my beautiful wife retired a couple of years ago. We've been very blessed, and I thought maybe now's the time. So I reached out to Naomi and um, I said, Hey, I, 
I, I think I'd like to be part of this, this neat little mission that you guys have. And I was very excited um, that she said, yeah. And, um, and I am about to leave on my first tour with, with Clowns Without Borders down to El Salvador. And I am beyond excited and, and grateful. And, um, and I'm, I'm learning a little bit about the organization and it is just such an impressive organization. And, and it is so impressive and important that I am not going to try to tell you that we have an expert here who can share that information with us. So I'm going to sit back and let my boss clown do her thing. Naomi, tell us all about it. Like what, how okay. did, how was this idea conceived? What's going on over there? What Oh my gosh. So the, the story was conceived in, um, or the idea in 1993. And one of my favorite things about Clowns Without Borders is it's actually the idea of children, like, like most good ideas. Uh, this started when kids at a, at a school in Spain were pen pals with children in a refugee camp in Croatia during the, or right after the Serbo-Croatian War. And, you know, the kids in Spain, you know, had sort of said like, hey, what's your life like? Are you okay? And these young refugees said, you know, we're safe now. We have food. We, you know, we have yeah, shelter. Awesome. But what we really miss is laughter. And these kids in Spain were like, oh, well, we have a great idea. We're going to send you a clown. And these um the kids in Spain were were lucky enough to live in the same town as Tortel Poltrona, who is this incredible clown in Spain. He was uh for a long time a TV personality also and circus, he's a circus performer. And these kids said, Tortel, you have to go. Uh you have to go to Croatia and perform. And he did. Um and so that's that's the, the beginning, the middle, and the end of it, right, is, uh, is uh, listen to kids. They have great ideas. Be invited. And, you know, as long as, as long as people keep asking and saying, yeah, you know what, we're in this hard situation, but what we really want is to have that full part of our humanity of laughing and being in community together, then, then Clowns Without Borders keeps on keeps on going um so that's yeah our mission is to share laughter a moment a moment of joy and also a moment of awe i think about it as offering offering a moment to gather and to share an experience other than the displacement or the tragedy um, or the crisis that a community is in i'm curious do we have any idea as to how many people are experiencing this kind of life how many people might be in refugee camps at, at this moment oh no Jed, you're i just started with the hopeful piece and now so unfortunately displacement a lot of times when i say refugee camp or displacement we think tense and we think short term but unfortunately that while that may have been true 25 years ago uh, or 30 years ago when Clowns Without Borders started. Now, unfortunately, people are become displaced and often stay displaced. Mm -hmm. So there, last year, we crossed over to over 
100 million forcibly displaced people in the world. And so that's people who are displaced because of war, because of socioeconomic reasons. They're increasingly, you know, an increasing population of people who are displaced because of environmental disaster. And, um, and then also indigenous people who are, who are displaced. So yes, unfortunately I do, I do know that number. And I also know and believe that, you know, where so many resources are scarce, laughter, a sense of self, a sense of um, having one's own culture, those aren't, those aren't bound uh, or limited by any physical goods. Those can exist regardless of how many visas there are or are not. Yeah, This brings up a good point. I think I'm back here. You're back. Yes, I'm so stoked. Thank you for your patience. It's in some ways it's it's both beautiful and heartbreaking. And it seems to me that that is where the human spirit lies. You know, but here's a question that maybe I can shoot off to you, Naomi. And that is, when you think about laughter, can laughter and wonder transcend language barriers and cultural differences? And how do you plan to connect with the children at the performances? I, so yes, laughter and language. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know if you've ever spent time with a baby, um, but like babies tease and they're really good clowns because they'll do something to get a laugh and then when they get a laugh, they'll do it again. And they will do it again and again and again and again and again. And they'll do it until you stop laughing. And um, I think clowns are really similar to that like teasing baby, right? Where like, I will do this until you stop laughing. And maybe even a little longer after you have stopped laughing. Um, but I think that in so many ways, humor and the the core human experiences of joy and sadness and frustration, we can tell so many stories physically or vocally without language. Um, you know, if I if I come on stage and get stuck in an imaginary, you know, pool mm -hmm. of cement, it's very clear what's happening that that I'm stuck and, you know, um, and then I can go through my full range of emotions about it and the audience absolutely knows what's going on. Or um, Jed comes up behind me and takes my hat and I can't find my hat or him. Everyone in the audience will be shouting, he's over there, he's over there. And we can have a long chase scene, um, you know, of me not knowing and the audience knowing best. It's so it's wonderful to me. You know, when when you talk about a skit about being stuck somewhere, does that play like does that go into the setup of it? Like on some level, you're going to a place where people may feel stuck and then you come out and you do this skit and you make light of it. And in some way you're communicating to them, not only through laughter, but through actions like, hey, part of life is getting stuck, but that you can find a way to find the beauty in it. Is that something that goes into the way you're thinking about setting up the skits? Yes. And, and often those pieces of, you know, the most basic stories is I have something and you want it or, um, and, and that can play in so many ways or to play with these power dynamics. And that's something that we, that we talk about as a team, because of course, 
we as Clans Without Borders are arriving with with tickets to leave, you know, with a huge amount of privilege. And so it's it's about finding ways to tell to tell those stories, but also to to sort of shift the dynamic because it's really different. And I if I just come in and kind of do a virtuoso juggling act, that's not something I can do. <laughs> about that. Um, you know, and it's it's not about, hey, look at this cool thing I can do but about finding that common humanity. And so, yeah, stories of travel, of being new to a place, uh, stories of being stuck, of one person having something. There are places where we will truly play with putting a rope on the ground and doing sort of like a border crossing. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's all mostly without language. It's pretty... Um, metaphoric but also yeah. yeah lets people tap in and I think laughter is often the easiest way to tap in but then we invite people to go through all the other emotions that the clown goes on to, into the the sense of sadness the sense of frustration mm. the sense of oh okay now I have to try this again <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm often reminded there's that famous picture of like one clown crying and one cloud, like one clown laughing. And it seems to me sadness and humor are really connected in some way. Sometimes we cry so we laugh so hard that we cry. Like what what what's going on with that dynamic there? And, and how do you use that? A big piece of it is. Cracking the door open for emotion. Right. And when we think about trauma, especially, you know, trauma is about being um, kind of being trapped in the past, right? It's a shutting yeah. down, uh, a feeling of closed off. Um, and laughter is very much about being in the present. And, and in some ways, tears are also, right? Tears and laughter are both the kind of antithesis of that um, freeze motion. And yeah. so, and they're, they're so big, right? They kind of take over. You can't, you can't laugh without breathing. And also, you know, unless something is only a little funny, you can't really control it in the same, in the same way as when you're really crying. Yeah, I think that's the that's the connection, right? And the the those huge emotions that that take over and aren't just in the emotional realm, but have such a big physical counterpart. I love it. That's a wonderful answer. It's it's so amazing how whether you call it the spirit or you call it emotions, but there's this thing bigger than all of us that we're part of and we can connect to it. And I can feel your sadness or I can feel your laughter. And like, it's so beautiful to think about the way we can move between and through emotions and, and actually feel what someone else is trying to convey to us in some ways. You know, Jedley, let me ask you this. I know I've seen some videos of, of some of the things you do and I've listened to some podcasts. What is one of the most profound or unexpected reactions you've ever received from a child during one of your shows? And how did it impact you? Well, the most amazing unexpected thing, and I didn't know it was unexpected at the time. Um, I had a young girl up on stage when I invited her to come up on stage and her teachers saw who I had invited on stage. The teachers kind of freaked out. And she came up on stage and I said, hey, what's your name? And she didn't answer me. And I said, 
this is a this is a community with a large Hispanic population. So I asked her her name in Spanish. She still didn't answer. And I said, "Wow, you must be nervous. Don't worry about a thing." All these kids here, they they love you. Could you all please give my friend a nice round of applause and welcome her to the stage? And at that point, I heard, Mi nombre es Maria. And so me and Maria did this magic trick. We were talking. I was trying to speak to her in Spanish, speak to the audience in English. I didn't realize at the time until after the show when her teacher came back into the auditorium with Maria and the teacher was in tears. I didn't know that Maria was a, a girl with autism and had been mute, had been silent. She had been in the school for two years and she hadn't said a word to anybody in any language until she was on stage in front of 1,800 kids. And that was certainly unexpected. <laughs> yeah. But it was amazing and it was beautiful. And I just, and I remember people there turning to me and said, how did you do that? And I said, I had no, I didn't do anything. This was just, the kids made her feel welcome. You guys allowed her to come up on stage and try something. She wanted to try something. I was just there, you know, it was something that happened around me and um, it was an, an, an amazing honor and, and, uh, and it reminded me at a very early time in, in my career that what Naomi and I do on stage is a real privilege. It's a gift that we can have a tremendous impact on, on people's lives, even if it's I was going to say, even if it's just bringing a smile to their face, in a lot of moments, a lot of instances, bringing a smile to somebody's face is pretty huge. Yeah, that that brings a tear to my eye. I, I sometimes the magic that can happen when we're just in a group, or there's it, it reminds me of like that pebble in the pond, like bringing someone up on stage is like throwing that pebble, but then the waves that radiate from that impact, like the smile that their parents must have had or the way the other children felt or the teachers, or you telling me the story today and it having rippling effect to all the people listening. It's, it truly is a magic time out there. Naomi, is there a special event that you can remember that kind of took your breath away? Oh, well, I, in some ways that story that Deadly um, just told is when he told me that story um, when we were talking about if he was a good fit and that was kind of my moment of being like, oh yes, you, you really understand this and you know so much of the work of CWB is is having you know having those great childhood moments and ideally every child is having so many of those that they lose track right I think back to my childhood and I'm like oh there are a few and I do remember one incredible clown show I saw as a kid and I know you know, my life was full of so many great moments that I've forgotten. But as as performers, as educators, as people around kids, we never know which are going to be the ones that stick for better or for worse. And so that's just a, you know, a big piece of why why we do what we do, hoping, you know, hoping we create that moment, um, one that that really sticks out for me is arriving in a town in Haiti that I had been the year before um, and it was sort of following two different hurricanes and I, I got out of the car and was greeted by these two kids who came running over and recognized me from the year before and then 
they performed my act from the year before. <laughs> and it was this incredible moment of just seeing, oh, yeah, this this is the impact. It's not you know, like, okay, sure, we're there. We do a 45-minute show. We stay another 45 minutes playing and interacting. But the real learning, the real sort of development and healing happens after we leave and kids say, here's how I'm going to make this my own. And I think that's especially the magic of of clowns is right like training for years to make something look easy and and to give that impression so the six-year-old can see what I do and have this idea of oh I can I can do that she's just a sort of dumb clumsy adult I can do it better and that that piece that they had spent this year replaying the scene, making it new and making it their own. And that's that's the real goal of a of a Clowns Without Borders show is to do all of this work to get the you know, for to get the performers there, to get the audience there, to do the show, and then to leave with this sense of the focus shifting back to the community so that then they're the ones who are sharing stories with each other or then it's the kids who are becoming the stars and so I but that one um I was very glad I had a new act for that year <laughs> <laughs> wow it, it it speaks to the idea of healing as contagious you know in some ways like you go down and you you the same way we catch colds from people, maybe we can catch laughter from people. It seems like it's something that continues to go forward. What, it, it's kind of an interesting idea. What, what do you two think about healing and laughter as contagious? Well, I think certainly being able to look at something in a positive way, you know, can I, I just finished reading a book uh, about that whole thing psychologists looked at the placebo effect and it's like yeah this really works if some things positively they can take a sugar pill and then then heal themselves i think it makes total sense that if you're with a group of people and people are positive uh you know uh, in in a certain situation they're gonna they're more likely to find a way out of it and and to find healing and um and and fellowship yeah, it's 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 a fantastic idea to think about, and I it's wonderful to think about being able to spread joy to people who may not even speak the same language. Or what about Naomi? Do you feel that, or do you believe that comedy and magic have the power to inspire creativity and young minds facing adversity in, in countries you've never been to? I I do, and some of that is, and to be part of the you know the healing, it's you know um hope hope matters there i wish i had the i'm not a um like you know in at tomorrow at 3 a.m i'll be like here's the name of that study i meant to cite but for now um we'll we'll put it in the show notes um you know these studies around the, the difference of outcomes for for surgical patients and and sort of that that hope matters a sense of of agency 
a sense of safety, those those pieces matter. And so often that comes, I think, from, from hope, from a sense of being seen and being heard. And we know that, that children across any, um, you know, demographic are often, often don't have that agency, right? Or, or often aren't heard. And especially in places where kids are in a challenging circumstance and know that, um, oh, I'm rambling. I'll tell a story. Last year I was in Iraqi Kurdistan and we were performing for um, Iranian Kurds who had been displaced for for generations. So at this point, it's um, children who've been born in these camps and they are stateless, which means they, they don't have uh, they don't have papers. So there's one of the big issues for the youth is this feeling of, of hopelessness, right? This feeling of, okay, I can do as well as I can do in school, but then there's no way to go because I don't have documents. I don't have, um, I don't have opportunities. And there had been a few, a few examples of a, a you know, a girl who had been on a sports team at her high school and the the team did really well. They were invited to go um, to, to do a big championship and she couldn't go because she couldn't, she couldn't do that travel. And after, after the show, we heard from a few kids, oh, now I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a clown. And, um, not that we're necessarily inspiring awesome economic opportunities for young people, but I think again that piece of seeing something and in a performance in a clown show, you can see a direct impact, right? That moment of whoa, this person is laughing. Oh my gosh, that that person who I don't normally hear laugh, or the the person who I don't normally see play is now playing, and that can be really inspiring as as both a performer and an audience member yeah that's a beautiful answer it, it it seems that laughter is what generates the resilience in the face of adversity because some people walk right up to that door of adversity and it they're afraid to even touch the door handle and they may never even walk through it but if you can have the courage to laugh and realize like what's the worst that can happen you know and you can find something beautiful about it or something comical about it, or you can just associate it with a smile now you have the courage to at least grab the handle and then you have the courage to open it up and then the courage to kind of walk through but it's wonderful to think about the way in which it can oh, laughter and humor can overcome adversity in in places that we've never been before you know another question i was thinking about is in what ways can the principles of comedy and magic be applied to life itself, offering lessons of adaptability and finding joy in unexpected places. Wow, I didn't I didn't expect <laughs> this is like this is like PhD level conversation. I, you, you know, guys I, are traveling the world though. Like you see, both of you see things that no one has before. And I think these are important. I think that you're really finding ways to to connect with people and you're good at it. Well I I, I think one of the things certainly that magic does and certainly that that humor can do is just inspire the possibility you know when i when kids 
uh, when there's a kid up on stage with me and I say that, you know, there's an invisible egg right over your head. Can you see it? And kid will say, no, well, that's great. It's invisible, but take it down and feel it. And then that child is able to actually make that egg appear because of what they do. And the audience sees the egg appear. Boom. It's, it's funny. It's fun, but it's also inspiring. And even the kids, even the teachers, the people in the audience sitting back going, Oh, that's just a trick. The, the, the clown did that. And I, there, there's a way, there's a secret. I don't know, but I know that that's not real magic, but it's, it's getting people to think right. it's, you know, I, I hear this all the time when I'm going to an inner city school and it's a middle school and, you know, teachers like, oh, no, you got to watch out for these kids. And at the end of the show, they're like, oh, I can't believe these kids. They're, they're, they, they were like, you know, kids again. It was great to see. It's like opening up that uh, a part of their mind. Yeah, it gives them gives them hope that lets them kind of shed all the nonsense that they feel that they all the armor they think that they have to have on to protect themselves in the world. I think the humor and magic kind of lets them kind of sit back and relax and say, "Yeah, I think yeah. we can make it better." It's a, it's a great point because it seems to me that a lot of the people, like if you're going to a place that may have a war torn poverty or it has all these crises on some level that forces kids to grow up way before their time right and, that, and in doing that it takes away that that avenue of laughter is, is it difficult and how do you balance it, the environment you're in that can be probably pretty sad how do you still bring something beautiful and warm and laughing george we're, we've lost your audio again oh no oh, oh no. now you're back but okay. I'm going to recap what I think you said, okay. which is when we're when we're in places that have so often been defined by violence and conflict, what does it mean to go in and offer laughter? Was that more or less? Yeah. Okay. Yep. We'll give me okay. we'll just we'll give me a more versus the less. Um there's an expression in comedy of no comedy without conflict. Um and this idea that if we're just agreeing, we're just agreeing, we're just agreeing, there's no comedy. We need some sort of tension. And, you know, often we're going into places where conflict is high. Conflict is what's been experienced. And I think about, um, but then also that that feeling of when, when a place or a community, a whole population or country gets defined by the conflict. And how do we how do we balance that? When we were on the beaches of Lesbos, Greece in 20, 2016, we were performing right as refugees were arriving and we're, the clowns are doing a show and there's this man in a pink sweatshirt who's, who's kind of talking on the side. And there's this moment where we can feel the energy turn because he's getting more and more attention with his commentary is getting more and more laughs. And so the clowns invite him on stage and sort of, you know, and it's kind of that moment of like, wow, you have a, you have a lot of, you have a lot to say, you want to take the stage. And one of the things he said is, you know, he said, I almost died last night. I, I was in a boat last night. I almost, I almost drowned. And before that I watched 
my father die. I watched my home be destroyed. I deserve to laugh. And he's telling this story uh, that I can only tell in this heavy way, you know, but he's telling this story and it keeps being punctuated with laughter and these, these moments of the audience recognizing themselves in the story and also this, um, you know, this cheering, this cheering him on. And that's the, our, our tagline is resilience through laughter. And that piece of saying, okay, you know, in a time when news headlines around the world were only talking about the lack of humanity that had led to this crisis or being faced, here's a moment of that real humanity of saying, you know what, I deserve to laugh. I have a story to tell. We also on that tour, um, we we started playing with some of the kids on, on the rubber rafts that were partially deflated and using them almost like a trampoline. And that we have a picture of it. I think it's my best example of what is resilience and what is resilience through laughter and that place of bouncing back and mm. using these objects, you know, this, that are so representative of the conflict of the trauma and then and then turning them saying, hey, is there, is there a way to use this for healing? And, and never in a way that's pretending, oh, this conflict didn't happen, right? We've all experienced how terrible it is when someone's just like, positive vibes only, right? <laughs> and I'm like, don't, don't tell me to write in a gratitude journal, like this terrible thing just happened. But, but in that moment where you can look at someone and have that moment of like, yeah, this, this is really terrible. I see you. Do you want to play? And, and in so many ways, humor in moments of sadness, it's such a relief, but also that place of being so close to tears. You know, I, remember a moment of laughing for the first time after a close friend died and that moment of oh I'm gonna be okay and also oh I'm gonna be okay wow that that it's it's beautiful it's beautiful. Is it, does it get harder to do? I mean, is it something that you, you want to go back to it and do it, but do you find that like, do you find yourself craving to do it more or is it hard to do? Like it, it's still, it's fascinating to me. I'm so thankful that you're doing it and you're bringing people to do it. But what, what's it like after you have the event? Do you have that same feeling of like, I'm okay. I'm okay. For me, it got harder when I became a parent um, and, uh, yep. And, and it goes back and forth, right? I think it depends. It depends what day you ask me. Um, on one yeah. hand, um, you know, we're always learning about communities by the human rights violations they're experiencing and also mm-hmm. what's funny. Uh, the past two weeks have definitely been 
really hard in these in these moments of um, you know, we had to really shift the tour to Guatemala because of the violence there. It's hard to look at, um, you know, right now all I can do is check in with our partners in Palestine and Israel and, and know that it's not a time we can go. And it, for me, it's truly believing that laughter is a right, play is a right that keeps me going because as soon as I let myself think, oh, does this really matter? That's when, <laughs> that's when I go for yeah. a deep dive. And, and so really believing, yes, everyone has the right to experience and express their full emotional capacity is what keeps me going. I love that, Naomi. It does matter. It does matter. It matters to all the kids out there. It matters to the parents of those kids out there. And it matters to hopefully everybody listening that there's people that want to do that. I'm, I'm thankful to both you, Jed Lee and, and Naomi. It's a wonderful thing. And it, I think it, it, it expands on the spirit we all need in order to be successful. It also sheds light on, on the problems that are happening. In some ways, you're bringing laughter to the people there, but you're also bringing attention to the, to the problem areas. I, you know, it, it, I do believe it, it, you know, when Naomi is po posting on uh, social media, the Clowns Without Borders tour, the, the, the recent one to Turkey and, mm -hmm. and seeing the families that, that were just devastated by, by the disaster there. Um, it does remind people past the headlines that, you know, this, this tragedy is going on, um, and it just might be in the news for a day or two, but there are people that are suffering for a long time. I know in my own family, the people, uh, Clowns Without Borders, I had a marvelous tour of Puerto Rico. Um, and people are still suffering in Puerto Rico a couple of years after the hurricanes. Um, and that's part of the United States. And, you know, so, yes, I'm really happy that Clowns Without Borders and Naomi and, and the other artists are are reminding people that there are our 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 brothers and sisters are out there and uh they they need our help yeah in some ways i think laughter is therapy you know it, it does give us this sort of third person perspective of the situation we're in what what is your take on on humor as a as a form of therapy? It, it seems like it does pull people away from the the incredible situation they're in. Do do you think of laughter as therapy? Um. Oh, ready now. You're going to get a really diplomatic response from me. So I think laughter can be therapeutic. Okay. Um. And in that, you know, in the way that taking taking a walk or any of the kind of self-care pieces, I'm really clear that while um, laughter can have that benefit, our artists are professional clowns and not professional mm, therapists. Um, so we're, I'm working on adding training for our artists for their own sort of mental health first aid, but that our, our job is to show up as clowns. And, and often we're working, we always work in partnership with other organizations and a lot of times with the um, 
child health workers, you know, with, with the people who are social workers, who are therapists, but in this moment that we are offering really short term and really short interactions. Um, so we're, we're not therapists, Um, but I, but again, that doesn't mean that laughter doesn't have a positive benefit. And we have seen, and you know, you, know that there are so many different ways uh to connect with someone and we've you know heard from from field staff wow i haven't i haven't heard that child speak in weeks or parents who say i haven't heard my child laugh and so we know that our our work can have a really great impact of opening up opening up a door towards healing uh but yeah, that's my very like, no, we're not therapists. <laughs> um, and um, and I think part of that is is also as, you know, being really clear of working with the artists and wanting to make sure that they stay safe and healthy emotionally is being really clear. You know, Chad, your job is to go and and to be the best performer you can be. And while you're in your red nose or your silly hat, your job is to be there looking for the game, looking for the moments of connection and not there looking for, oh, is is that kid hungry? Oh, what might be the long-term consequences of this? Because that's that's not what we're there for. And again, that's the, the true belief that laughter a, mo- a moment of connection of emotional response is enough. That Sorry, is, I'm done now. No, that's beautiful. It's really well said. And I think it paints a beautiful picture of, of what, what it is you're there to do. And, and it, it's walking that tightrope of, of culture and understanding and humor and beauty and the human spirit. You know, when we talk about culture, humor seems to be something that while it can transcend different cultures, some things are funny in a culture and some things are not funny in another culture. Are there certain jokes that work everywhere? (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, when you're talking with kids, I haven't been in a culture. And again, I haven't traveled around the world, but you know, here in the United States, you're performing for kids from all different cultures. I haven't been in front of a culture that uh, where kids didn't laugh at a good butt wiggle. (laughs) I laugh at that. <laughs> I was going to say fart jokes. Fart jokes are pretty funny. Um, and and there are some places where it's, you know, like, okay, we, we can't do this here. But in general, what's pretty funny is the person in charge being incompetent. Like nah. that. Um, <laughs> we, it's true. we all like to make fun of the boss. And so a lot of times... Uh, our shows will have, you know, like the person who's really high status and they just get things wrong. And, and, and that's always funny. Um, You know, incompetence, I think incompetence in a leader, in a like short, in a, in a performance setting is really funny. (laughs) Oh, it's it's funny to know that that Ariadne thread of truth runs through every culture. Like that's just human nature. It's so hilarious. What about do you like? 
I'm willing to bet the both of you have so many incredible stories. Is there, have you thought about doing a book or do you do a documentary when you go? Do you film it so people can do it? Is there something like that in the works? Um, wow, those are, those are great ideas. Those are <laughs> definitely not new ideas. And um, we're a really small organization. That's my um, excuse. We do make sure to have uh, a photographer with us for at least part of each tour. So the best way to see those pictures is on our website or our social media. And we really try to make sure that we're always showing, showing those photos. We've had a few short, short documentaries. The idea of a book is such a great idea. It's, um, wow, if you're someone who's listening and you're like, yes, I have, I, I have the funding to make this happen. Great. Cool. Give me an email. But it's, it's, I think we're right now so much at the place of how do we how do we use all of our energy to do, to do the work firsthand? Yeah, creating the story, writing the story is something that comes after creating the story. But just talking to you today, you know, I could see a series of like Clowns Without Borders, Afghanistan, or you know, it's 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 wonderful. And I, I think that what you're doing is beautiful and it, it's so contagious and something about laughter when the world. I don't know. Do you think that the Here's an interesting question. Do you think that the world is always trying to, on some level, make us aware that there is beauty in the world? Like I, I go, I know when I go outside and I'll, I could be having a really rough day or maybe something bad happens to me, but I can see the sun shining or I can see this little bird that flies by and lands by the seat like he's trying to talk to me. Do you think that there's like a, a, a language that the world is, is speaking to us and, and you can tap into that? <laughs> Well, I mean, George, I know myself, um, I, I find lots of beauty in, in, in sunsets and sunrises and beautiful scenery. But to me, there's no nothing more beautiful than the smile that I'll get on stage from a kid. Why? Why, why is that the most beautiful thing to you? It's hard to, to explain when you're on stage and if, if you have kids, you've experienced this where you're, you're looking at your kid and all of a sudden their eyes just kind of light up and, and it's almost like life slows down and suddenly this, it, this expression is coming to the kid in slow motion. You can see everything, you know, the eyes start to light up and the nose and the smile gets there. And, you know, something that takes an instant seems like it's taking forever and it's taking forever because it's just so beautiful. Um, I, we, I think we all, at least me, I, I want kids to be happy. I, I, I want, don't want kids to suffer. I want them to understand that they're loved and, that they have the potential to do amazing things in their lives. And when I see a kid smile and when it's, they're smiling at something that, that we did together, then that to me, it's like, kind of like, Oh, wow. I'm, you know, we're, we're kind of sharing that moment together. Um, I, I, I had a pastor, I don't mean to get religious, but, yeah, but one of my, one of my priests, really amazing guy. And he said to me, he says, uh, Jedley, 
you know, I think heaven, it, anytime we do something out of love and the person that we're with is also acting in love and that moment we're experiencing what heaven's going to be like. And I guess for me, you know, being on stage with a kid and, and doing something together with the kid um, and, and having that smile, that's kind of like heaven. Oh, it makes, you know, I, there's another passage that I like to cite sometimes when I find the world is bearing its weight on my shoulders or you feel like the world's against you and it's this I I forgot I can't I can't quote you what what the numbers are but it's something along the lines of I was born with a thorn in my side a messenger from Satan to torment me I prayed to the Lord to take it away and in his infinite wisdom I heard his voice say to me my grace is sufficient for you for in weakness my power is made perfect and I just it gives me goosebumps because we all find ourselves in this moment of weakness but if you can understand that the the God's power or the power of the world or whatever divinity you believe in is made perfect inside you when you're weak. Like, wow, that's a, that's a beautiful thing to think about in it. You know, I, I don't, I, I really think that what you're doing is, is connecting on a level that most people may not get to feel in some levels and to be up there and to, to go out on a limb and travel the world and try to find the people that need to smile most. I, I don't know if there's a higher calling than that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And I think my answer around, yeah, you know, the the beauty of the world is, um, yes, and it's that question of of being being open to it. And I think one of the things that we see again and again, especially from from parents, is, you know, parents aren't watching the show as much as they're watching their kids watch the show, and that piece of wanting to know that our family members are okay. And a lot of times the biggest laughs, the biggest moments of joy are not from us, but are from, you know, it's like there's a grandma who has a really funny laugh. And when she laughs, everyone turns and then laughs at that, you know, or the baby who kind of wanders on stage does anything or nothing and then wanders back. And that's what gets, gets the, the moments. And it's those moments when we are in, in or experiencing crisis, when we're in that toxic stress of being shut down, of being, you know, in, in survival mode of feeling the weight, then it's really hard to, to see, you know, to see the good. It's really hard to see, wow, it's a beautiful day. And that's not a, that's not a judgment. That's just, that's true. And one of the pieces, again, in Lesbos is um, a group of men asked, you know, hey, can you teach us some magic tricks? Because we, what's for them, what, what they said was really hard is kind of losing, losing their status a bit within their family. You know, they were like, we are, we used to, Kind of provide for our families and now we're here in our camps and we just want to do something where we can make our kids eyes light up and and so that piece of yes there is beauty all around there is so much you know like i think the biggest moments of joy i've 
witnessed have been in the most unlikely places. And it's about sometimes having a catalyst for that and and also being open to the the idea that that that's okay, right? Because if we only think about humanitarian response as material goods, then we're always going to be denying those hundred million displaced people all of the other experiences of life. If we are only thinking in terms of food, medicine, and shelter, we're we're really closing down opportunities. And so it's that place of remembering, yeah, everyone, everyone has the right to that that sense of awe and beauty from the world. That is a phenomenal point. You know, if you just focus on these bare necessities, in some ways you're underscoring that that's all that life is, but it's so much more. It's, this must have, this, this must have changed you as a person, like going and traveling to all these places and getting this insight about what's important in life and, and, you know, making huge sacrifices to, to do what you're doing. How, how has this changed you as a person? Oh, I feel like you should like call one of my sisters for that for the like inside <laughs> scoop. Um, <laughs> that's the after show, right? Is them being like, "Well, yeah, but can you believe she didn't? She didn't call me on my birthday." Um, <laughs> it. I think the biggest change and is is truly that. I don't think about a hierarchy of need anymore, mm. right? Of truly believing that whatever someone's background, that they have a right to to all of the emotional, spiritual experiences of the world. And I think mm. that's the biggest place, right? There isn't um, a ranking of suffering or joy. And our emotional realities are our emotional realities. And, and so often, I think we discount our own experiences by comparing it, right? This idea of like, oh, but how can I feel this way? People are going through much worse. Or, or discount, you know, like, does somebody really need laughter? Isn't, don't they, like how can that person be choosing to uh, buy a gift for her kid? Shouldn't she be focusing on uh, vegetables instead or whatever it is? And that, that sense of, of judgment or hierarchy, mm-hmm. I think has really shifted in me and, and understanding that joy, joy matters. Those good experiences matter and it doesn't, looking around to see, oh, does someone have it worse than me? Doesn't, um, doesn't really matter unless it's, yeah, that's, you know, that's not a motivating force. So that's, I think, how it's changed me. Wow. I'm, thank you for sharing that. It's, it's, it's a wonderful insight. And I, I'm hopeful that people that listen to this and myself included can, try to incorporate that more. This idea of judgment, 
it just seems like so toxic sometimes, right? Like we're constantly trying to judge things, but maybe we should just realize how lucky we are and, and try to spread that love to other people. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in favor of spreading love, George. I know you are. You're an amazing human being. Both of you are amazing human beings. And I'm really thankful that what you're doing is, is spreading that joy and love around. I, we're going to have to, when is the trip? When is the trip coming up? Well, I am, I am um, looking forward to hopping on a plane this coming Thursday. So uh, about six or seven days from now. Uh, and you were talking about spreading the joy and spreading yeah. the love. Um, we actually need some help doing that. Yeah. And and there's a way for folks to kind of help us and and not actually go on tour with us physically, but be with us spiritually. Um, because I, as I understand it, Naomi was telling me we need some help filling up the clown bus to travel around uh, El Salvador. Um, it's a small country, but we're going to be going from one end to the other and back to the middle and back up and down. And um, so we would love for folks to help fill the gas tank. Uh, while we're down there, I've been told my AAA card is not going to work if we, um, you know, run into some trouble. So um, I, I, there's a website people can go to and to to help out. Am I right, Naomi? Yes, uh, George, I can send that to you. But yeah, that's kind of the the piece. Yep. Um, one is follow along. Um, if you are on either Facebook or Instagram, like joining and seeing seeing what we do, one of the things we really work towards is sharing the stories of sharing the stories of our audiences. And it's a great way of if you only know about a place through kind of news headlines, it's really fun to get to learn about a place of, by the stories of um, what kids think is funny and important. Always, uh, always a joy. And then as Jed mentioned, um, you know, we're working on on filling up filling up the clown car. Um, gas is our biggest expense, and right now, um, you know, if you kind of need to to quantify, yeah, but what difference do I make? Our our shows are always free to our audience, but they cost about eleven dollars per person um, for us. So for eleven dollars, you get a kid to a clown show, and. Um, you know, and and hopefully, it's it's the show that becomes one of those lasting lasting childhood memories. What's the name of the website? Oh, it's clownswithoutborders.org. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, what are you waiting for? Make a kid smile. <laughs> make a make a long lasting lifetime memory, and and get a kid into a show. It's it's tremendous. And so, <clears throat> how long is the trip down there? Are you going to be down there for a, a, a week, a month, five days, ten days? Uh, we'll be down there for about 18, wow. 18, 19 days. Yeah, I'm I'm real excited. My beautiful wife, not so much, but um, <laughs> no. But I, I'm 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 really excited. Um, I've you know taken a look at the itinerary, and I've um, a, an amazing niece that I'm incredibly close to who is from El Salvador and we've been talking about it and um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited. Um, uh, don't, don't know, you know, 
I, I just know we're going to run into lots of of smiles and um, you know, I'm excited to be working with the other artists that will be on tour with me. Uh, and I can't wait to share uh, with, you know, what happens with the folks who follow me on social media with my family, my friends and, um, and with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have you been brushed? You got a whole new routine plan. You got some new tricks you've been working on or what? Uh, this, this old clown is, is working real hard and, um, I, I'm working on learning how to walk again. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's been my current challenge, but, uh, I, I'm, you know, I met, uh, one of the artists I'll be working with and, and we shared some ideas yesterday and, uh, I can't wait to start rehearsing, uh, with her and, um, it's it's gonna be amazing. Like I said, I'm I'm just so as we say here in Boston, George, I am so wicked psyched. It's gonna be a great time. <laughs> wicked psyched, man. That's so awesome. It's amazing. I uh I'm grateful for it and uh I would love to have you come back and when once you get back, maybe we could talk about some of the things that happened down there and try to keep the keep the dream alive and uh talk about the next one coming up. Uh always happy to talk. That's one of one of my one of the things my beautiful wife complains about. <laughs> I'm always willing to talk. <laughs> Fantastic. So Naomi, what what do you what do you have coming up in the near future? You have this event planned for some people, but is there some is there some other events that you have coming up? We do. So this is an exciting the next month is exciting. Right now we have a team in Guatemala. We had to really pivot that that team. Um and so right now it's a team of all Guatemalan artists who are performing. They start performing today and then El Salvador. And then we have two tours coming up in Mexico, one in Puebla and the other in Guadalajara. And so those are also for, for migrants. And so that's a, an exciting, um, yeah, now through, uh, I think today through November 24th, we have we have a show pretty much every day where yeah. it's going to be continuous continuous clowning and it's exciting sometimes you can see there you know there are moments that sort of have a lot of unity across shows um and then and then also really different you know each tour each tour is different we create a new show for every tour and that's um a really exciting exciting piece that is exciting. And it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm excited to talk to you guys. I'm really proud and thankful for both of you for doing what you're doing. I think it's amazing. And I, I know that the people and the hearts that you touch will be forever grateful. And so, well, before I let you go, is there anything else we should touch on? I can't think of anything. Um, you know, follow us on, on social media. There's a great Plaza de Border has a great Instagram page yeah. and of course the, the website. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's, that's just, just kind of re reiterate that just, uh, can connect with clowns without border. And, and, uh, it's a, it's a great organization to uh, follow and to support. Is there a donate button on the Instagram page and the clowns, clowns without borders? Yes. Yeah. There's, it's I was like, yeah, it's, um, we try to make it pretty easy. Um, and 
I think the other piece that I'm, wow, I'm, I so appreciate that you didn't ask, but, oh, but aren't people scared of clowns? Um, <laughs> and I'm guessing that if anyone feels like they are, they probably didn't listen this long. But um, yeah. for us, clowning is all about shared humanity. You know, I often say like, yeah. you know, this, this is my clown face. If you're watching, you know, like maybe I add a little pink to my cheeks, mm -hmm. but we're not about covering ourselves up in bright colors and wigs and makeup. It's about the, the playful spirit. And that's something, you know, that we can all have and all bring. Yeah. It's that moment of looking, looking for the game, looking for the moments of connection. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I, I think that deep down we all have an inner clown in us and we all love to laugh and it's what really bonds us. And so well, fantastic. Clownswithoutborders.com. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, org. Dot org. Dot org. Clownswithborders.org. I heard if you say something three times, people will remember it. Clownswithborders.org. Clownswithborders.org. Nope, nope, nope. Clownswithborders. Clownswithoutborders. Okay, let's try this again. Ladies and gentlemen, it's clowns. something entirely different. <laughs> I think that's Washington, D.C. <laughs> Clownswithoutborders.com. Clowns no, 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 no. Dot org. Dot org. Uh, Naomi, I think George is trying to be a clown here. This is it's really good. It, 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 this is, this tell is me again. in front of the person who thought they were in power. This is... This yeah, proving, this is dummy. Proving my point of what's funny. Allah. So it's it's clownswithoutborders.org. One more time. I didn't get it. Here, tell me again. It's clownswithoutborders.org. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I loved it right there. Ladies and gentlemen, check it out. Go down to the show notes. And I'll put, when I load up the podcast, I'll make sure that we have the links to both pages, the Instagram, where people can go. And uh, this is fantastic. I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. And uh, hang on briefly afterwards. I'll talk to you afterwards, but I want to hang up with our friends right here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Go down, check out the show notes, reach out to both of them. It's a beautiful team, and they have a beautiful mission. That's all we got for today. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, 
then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.